Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're getting ready to podcast some more. It's Star Wars Celebration Weekend, so uh, without further ado, let's get straight into this week's, or today's, the, the Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday edition. I can't keep up with all this. Of the <laughs> Star Wars Report podcast coverage of Star Wars Celebration uh, in Chicago. I'm not in Chicago. Neither is the person who's uh, co-hosting with me today, Mr. Scott Rifen. Welcome to the FOMO Brigade, sir. How great was that KISS concert, anyway? Uh, yeah, I know. You were at a KISS concert last <laughs> night. Um, yes. Which, uh, which I'm guessing uh, was a good time. Good time. It was spectacular. These, uh, yeah, they, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of of the opinion that they're getting to the point where they just can't do it anymore. Yeah. But they did it last night, so. They, they, they're still doing it. Well, and we'll do yeah. a full review of the concert um, <laughs> after. No, no, no. We're gonna... I was on the fifth row. I got a lot of pictures, a lot of videos. So. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. There's, so today, we there's been a, a, a bit of stuff happening at Celebration today. The main thing we're going to yeah. hit is the Galaxy's Edge panel, which we got a, a, a bit more information. Not a lot more information. But, Scott, then also afterwards, we're going to talk about the trailer some more. Because that's yeah. really what has the buzz. No surprise there at all that mm. that's what seems to have the buzz coming out of uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago. So uh, let me, uh, let's me let just jump straight into the... The panel, uh, it, it was 11 o'clock this morning, just a mere few hours ago. I was watching it of, uh, right off the bat. Josh Gad's hosting it. And mm-hmm. they do this like really, and, and this is what I'm realizing of what it's like when you watch these live streams of the, like the big panels and stuff. When you're in the room and everybody's cheering and clapping and there's energy and stuff, it's like it's a great time. Everyone's yes. having a, when you're watching it on the screen, on the screen it's <laughs> really going. cringy. <laughs> It's really, it's not only cringy, but it's also get to it. I know, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, I'm just still waiting. It's like there's like this ten minute like elaborate bit where it's Josh Gad like trying to get into Galaxy's Edge, but the guy won't let him in. <laughs> and you know, it's like uh, it. <laughs> just, it reminded me of a pro wrestling stand up bit. Yes, right. And then where it they, cuts to the they, live. <laughs> Yeah, where they kind of have a vague outline of what they're doing, but they're not. Nobody really has dialogue, and they're just kind of trying to wing it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the, the funny here's the funny thing. Yeah, uh, with the panels, we've seen panels, you know, every year with these ever since the acquisition. Um, yeah. Do you know who the best panel host to me has been of the bunch? Uh, of overall celebration, or since the Disney? Uh, of since the Disney acquisition. <sighs> I mean, for the big panel. Hmm. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of which who. To me. T- for you, maybe. Maybe Bresnikin. Bresnikin. Yeah. 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 Because uh, all these other guys. I mean, Bresnikin. You know, he's a rock star to us. Yeah. But he's not a celebrity per se. Sure. Uh, and it seems like when these celebrities come in, it kind of, in a way, becomes about them. Mm. For at least part of the of the panel, and it's to me a little bit of a distraction. Bresnikan was armed, but he's also got personality. He's articulate. He's charming. So I mean, he can be a good, solid host on the stage, and it never becomes about him. Yeah. And so I just I I have, and the funniest thing about that is when I first saw him come out, I thought, oh look, California pretty boy coming out. Says he's not a Star Wars guy. <laughs> yeah. You know. Then you yeah. Find when you talk to him, you're like, holy cow, this guy's this guy's in it. Yeah, no, it's an interesting story of how he got that gig too. Uh, yeah. Writing at Entertainment Weekly and getting that Star Wars beat, and landing himself eventually on the celebration stage. 
Yep. Um, so yeah, they're definitely fascinating stuff. Hey, you um, can hear on this episode of my Star Wars story. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but let me ask you this, uh, Scott. Uh, did this panel? Uh, so going in, Josh Gad is the intro bit. Um, we have a few more details. Overall, um, getting more hyped or less hyped for Galaxy's Edge now that we kind of have all the info. Like we kind of know what it's going to be like, short of actually going there. Um, has it lived up to what you expected from Disney? I was glad to see more new pictures. Yeah, I don't know that I learned a whole lot today. Uh, I, I but I what I did get was a lot of reassurance about the commitment to doing it well and right well it's authentic uh, scott that's what it is it's, it's, it's authentic, authentic. From what i hear it's, yeah <laughs> that, that word may have come up once twice or 37 <laughs> times yeah it's really it's like we want an authentic experience it's like if it's for each sentence they were speaking if they didn't include the word authentic like some kind of disney parks uh shot collar under them would go if they didn't say and and that's why the new coca-cola branded branded snacks are authentic they're really authentic guys it's a, they are. It's, a, it's authentic. We'll get we'll get that to that in a second. But um, is, do you think the Coca Cola stuff is going to be in any of the uh, supporting materials, like the novel oh, or? No. God, no. Please, no, no, no. Or like, well, you, you could totally, you know, it would be kind of funny. I, I, my oh, initial no. reaction is like, no, don't do this. But what if there's like the Star Wars uh, talk show host? Or something mm. like that, or or let's f- maybe Foden Bead, the pod race hosts, mm. and they have like right there on the on the counter their Surface Pros and the mm. Star Wars Coca Cola Surface Pros. You know, just a little bit of uh, product placement right there um, uh, as they go. Um, why were the stormtroopers guarding the Coke in the commercial? Uh, I, because it's precious cargo. It's like no, uh, it's, come on. Listen, we, we we might get that like um what what is the 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 Kool Aid uh, juice packs from Clone Wars? Remember those? The- oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the-, the other thing is, are they going to call it something different in any way? Oh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's going to be like a. I'd like to order a Coke. I'm sorry, we don't have Coke. What do you have? We have Coca Cola. <laughs> what did you say? Coca Cola. <laughs> it's how's it spelled? C O C A C O L A. What? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Let's do that. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> That's a, and by that I mean a terrible idea. So yes. Um, so Josh Gad. All right, just, Josh Gad. Look, ha- I'm look. I'm a mm. canon and continuity guy. I'm just trying to figure out where Coke now fits into the canon and the continuity. You That's know, all. Mr. Mark Hurlman's probably already spent an hour on this very topic just right now. <laughs> okay, it's well, like I'm, already I'll, like. I'll back out. But the other the other question I want to ask you before you continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are they beating up on poor Matt Martin? <laughs> poor I Matt Martin just seems like the sweetest guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, it's just they're just way back in the day, uh Matt Martin went to Dragon Con in like 2012, long before the acquisition, long before new movies. He worked on the StarWars.com team back then. And yeah. um he was just kind of going to check out Dragon Con and see what was happening at the Star Wars track as kind of a rep of Lucasfilm and just kind of get a, a, a feel for the fan community there. And um, I remember meeting him. He's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys. And that was the first time I realized that, like, people at Lucasfilm were aware of what we did. I'm pretty sure they yeah. – I'm pretty sure they've forgotten us long by now. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, it was a really nice thing. And he said very complimentary things of us, and it was super cool. But um, 
Uh, but yes, a super nice guy, and just like the um, the whipping boy, <laughs> Josh. Yeah. Well, Josh Gad yeah. was kind of doing that with everyone. He has this bit where he sort of plays up uh, him being a bit of a jerk as like the celebrity intolerable uh, guy, mm. and it was funny a lot of the time. But I don't think Scott Trowbridge was entertained at all. Uh, because I was watching him on stage and like he kept just giving him these looks uh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll crank up the volume here it's gonna be a little quiet but take a listen to this and this play this is him again the sort of dynamic between Josh Gad and Scott Trowbridge and so we've got some other music that is in that same style that would be I want you to stop I want you to stop wait for it walking around my question and play something for this audience you guys want to hear that <laughs> Good grief. Did you hear that? I want you to stop talking around. the Because I think Josh's host is recognizing what we at home are recognizing, mm-hmm. which is that... Get to it. This is taking forever. Stop teasing around. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a certain Jedi master. Well, that that's later. Um, but yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's the poor the poor man. But hey, uh, so all right, let's get into what actually we we learned because we did actually get some updates here. Um, let's see. The and and the first one is, and this is a quote from Chris Beatty. Uh, the Force is very mysterious, and sometimes maybe Jedi's from the past. That's the quote. Yes. that's the quote, guys. Jedi's. <sighs> Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, from the past, could visit us and be part of your experience. Maybe a small green Jedi. I think the name you're w- waiting for me to hear uh, is to say is Frank Oz. So confirming Frank Oz doing voiceover mm-hmm. for the um, apparitionless. Is that a word? Apparitionless? Um, it is now. As- aspirational. <laughs> choking on his... Go back uh, to the as- other one. <laughs> Um, Yoda is going to be a part of it. So I don't know. Yeah. He didn't say what uh, attraction or where in the world that would be. I kind of like the idea of it almost being an Easter egg. Like there are these yeah. forested areas that aren't going to have an attraction nearby. Well, but if you just happen to walk through that area, you might stumble across something like uh, an area where, you know, Yoda's voice appears. Scott Trowbridge is the guy, by the way, who is behind the Spider-Man ride at Universal. Oh, really? And which is a stunning, spectacular, stellar, awesome ride. And it's it's funny because for years I've always wondered why Disney has not made a Spider-Man ride. You know, once a ride mechanism becomes popular, everybody kind of does their thing with it. Uh, and I suspect Rise of the Rebe- uh, the uh, Rise of the Resistance will be that. But uh, saying all of that, he was originally also on the ground floor of Hogwarts before he left to go to Disney. And you know, one of the things that happens. Oh, I didn't at, know any uh, of this. Interesting. Yeah. 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 One of the things that happens at Universal is, you know, you go to the magic shop and you buy your wand and there are little interactive things you do with your wand mm-hmm, throughout. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's Diagon Alley, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if this because they keep talking about the special lightsabers you can get at the lightsaber shop. And I'm wondering if that's not going to be one of the things is that you're going to be able to say, use your lightsaber to activate some force activated things in different storefronts and shops and areas of the park and i'm wondering if those voices aren't going to go along with it well we know what that's what they're doing with the disney play app is they're trying to turn your phone into Mm -hmm. a star wars data pad that you can unlock certain things or play around while you're trying to burn time in line that sort of thing that's that's the biggest thing yeah 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 i don't know it'd be interesting to say because that i mean it would make sense and it's one of those ways to just squeeze a little extra cash out (laughs) if you Mm -hmm. want that full experience um 
you're gonna yep. have, yeah, you know, you're gonna have to uh, roll out a little bit of dough. Like, what was it? One hundred and sixty dollars, I think, if I remember. I I, I went through. I, they, like they announced the pricing for for the lightsaber building experience. Um, you have to like reserve a time and stuff too. Yeah, which again, kind of like the the wand experience at Harry Potter, just a little yeah. more expensive. Yep. Um, I also like the fact that I didn't realize Rex was going to be Captain Rex was going to be there. Oh yeah, not yeah. Captain Rex, not Captain the other Captain the Rex, other Cap- the yep. original Captain Rex of the original Star Tours. He's the DJ, yeah. DJ Rex. Yeah, and DJ Rex. Now Matt Martin uh, wrote an entire backstory of how he got here to Batu. Seventeen pages, baby. Oh man! And um, why was that not in that from a certain point of view book? Uh, that would have been pretty great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd pay for it, Matt yeah. Martin. I'd pay for that. Now, also voiced by, they're bringing back Paul Rubens. Yep. To voice, uh, do the voiceover for Rex, which, you know, I'm not familiar with Paul Rubens, if I'm honest, but he's like, he's like, he's Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. Nah, okay. Yeah. So that's, 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 I guess, a thing. Um, and it's the original Rex. G- yeah, g- generational uh, gap here. Not really familiar <laughs> with uh, his, his work. I'm sure it's great. Great. Yeah. But, uh, but um, once he was arrested, he had to retire the Pee Wee Herman thing. Yeah. Well, so DJ Rex will be spinning tunes. And new tunes from Moss Eisley, the modal nodes, have their first single <laughs> dropping yeah. in 42 years. The, um, <laughs> and I have a little, it's again, pardon the crappy quality. This is a clip that I have on my Twitter. They haven't posted the actual audio yet. But uh, here's a little clip of the modal nodes as well. We'll see if my Twitter loads. That's the real question. Um, but a little clip of the modal nodes. Next track release. Twitter Loads with the modal nodes. <laughs> there it is. Okay, some real tension here. Star Wars celebration first. You guys are the first to hear this. This is another another song from Figure and Dan and the modal nodes. Let's play the B side. Wait a minute. What was that? That was me. This is sorry. Kind of awkward. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> And then, oh, check, 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 check. I think I, there we go. Sorry, I knocked my mic volume down there. That was me. Uh, confession. <laughs> so, uh, and also like on the live stream, that's what proceeds just like while the music is playing, just everyone awkwardly on stage just kind of be bopping around. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. It's so different than being in person. Oh, I, Scott, sorry. I, I think I muted you there for a second. You, what were you saying? Oh, oh, hang on. And stuff, kind of a big band feel with uh, a little steel drum thing in the background. Mm-hmm, yep. So it's, it's, it's about right. Yeah, it's right there. Doop-dop-doodly-doop-ba-doop-boop-boop. Um, <laughs> apologies, slash no apologies. But that, that kind of gets into, and we'd already heard it before, um, but I think it's worth, worth playing here. They played the full concert suite of yes. the Galaxy's Edge theme composed by John Williams. Yep. And it was pretty freaking amazing. Uh, so let's take a listen to that right here. <laughs> I, I delayed long enough. Here we go.
It's triangles. It's very, I mean, it's very prequel-esque, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's later stage John Williams. Yeah, um, I like it. Yeah, it, it almost kind of has a March of the Resistance vibe, almost. Mm-hmm. It's also, though, kind of got a new frontier type thing. Oh, huh. I hadn't thought about that. I'm not as familiar. Kind of got a vibe, an exploration vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and in the panel, Scott, they talked a lot about creating this unique world and why they chose to not make it, you know, Mustafar or Hoth or something like that. Mm. Right at the beginning, Doug Chang talked a lot about how these environments that we know and love from Star Wars are exactly that from the films where these from someone else's story. Exactly, where it's very much based on a certain character's experience, like Tatooine being Luke's experience or Mustafar being Anakin and that sort of thing, and how that is more like observing Star Wars, where they wanted to really emphasize the uh, where you are the star of that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is your story. Enjoy it. Your Star Wars story, if you will. Hey, that's... (laughs) Wow. It's a great title. Someone should jump on that. Oh my gosh! Um, what what else? What else did we learn? Oh, and so and we we alluded to it, but we got the uh, the Coca Cola cans, um, which are not yeah. Coca Cola cans. They have these like super cool. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm looking for a picture. Oh yeah, yeah, here's a picture for you guys on Facebook. You can see it here. Um, they, they are they they look like the little when you get the little cocktails in a in a bottle on an airplane. <laughs> not that not that I've done that. Um, <laughs> it looks like one of those little buzz balls. It's a yeah. it's a spherical uh, can slash bottle, and it's just basically an arabeshified version yeah. of the Coke, Sprite, and Diet Coke, and Dasani. It's um, got a uh, a thermal detonator vibe to me. <laughs> yeah, um, but I guess it's it's detonating your thirst. Yeah. Mm. So- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, you should do that <clears throat> anyway. But I think uh, I think they've already got the mold for the bottles because I think they do those bottles as like a Christmas ornament bottle at Christmas time. Oh, well, that's easy. So, yeah, well, so and I it think was this is the moment that this is the moment that the panel kind of turned into um. Uh, uh, like an Apple keynote, and they're like, and from the Coca-Cola Corporation to representatives, uh, the thing, and they step up on stage and like, well, we when we when we decided to partner with Lucasfilm and Disney, our our core values had to align as we thought about how the creative experience of the end user should uh, should should taste what mm-hmm. seems familiar yet all new at the same time. Dude, they were offering you an opportunity to be part of Star Wars land. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just not even, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. But. And it's uh, it's really fascinating that, is it unusual for Coke? Is this a first, because you're more familiar with branding than I am probably. Is it unusual for, as established, a brand like Coca-Cola to alter their logo for um, an advertising tie-in? I can't no, really think of. No. I can't think of an example. 
Uh, give me a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, think yeah, Star Back to Wars the Future. Back to the Future Part oh, yeah. Two. They did. Okay. Pepsi dramatically changed their logo for that. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. And but they it was kind still of the tie. Evolved it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, and I, I guess, and so that we, they showed us some stuff that we'd already seen. We're not going to talk about that, the, like the teaser for the Rise of the Resistance and the Millennium Falcon ride. Of course, as we know, Millennium well, Falcon is... Th- mm-hmm? They did say one interesting thing that I didn't know about the Millennium Falcon ride, and oh. that is that the hall, when you walk down the hallway yeah. after the ride, the condition of the hallway will be reflective of how well you flew your mission. Oh, interesting. No, that was new. You're right. I I didn't catch that. If you just don't, you don't hit anything, you don't get, take any bumps, any shots or anything, it's going to be pristine. But if you just plow into everything or whatever, apparently it's going to be a total wreck when you leave. Hmm. Interesting. And I thought that was neat. (laughs) Kind of like in The Force Force Awakens. Yeah. It's it's seen better days on the interior. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, I wonder. So they they showed in the teaser video, by the way, for the Coca Cola bottles that they were in the sort of uh, what I, what in Battlefront or loot crates, but you know the Star Wars storage crates that that, yeah. that that we know from Rogue One and you know all throughout the saga. And of course, they're filled with ice, and they have the actual balls. I wonder if they'll have these as kind of vending machines that will be Star Warsified vending machines. I could see mm. that, right? Hmm. Like, don't know. If, if you want to keep everything in universe, that's that's what you're going to want it to look like. Yeah, but you know, Disney's tradition is not to do the vending machine; it's rather to have somebody with a cart. Yeah. So I would assume that they would have a themed person with a themed cart. The well, and we is, know that there's going to be for the uh, the uh, blue milk cart. That it's going to be an actual yeah. like service station that's over in the first order area. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I think I think they'll put them on a cart. That's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Interesting. It's up to a uh, quote from Asakama, who's the executive uh, uh, creative director at Walt Disney Imagineering, as far as like that Millennium Falcon ride. It's up to you and your flight crew to determine the fate of your ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, no movie magic. Uh, it's an all real attraction experiences that place. And, and places that the guests will actually visit. And that was a big thing in the footage that they were showing. They're like, this isn't CGI. Yeah. This is actually footage from the park itself, which is really yep. coming along, which I guess it better because it opens in two months. Um, Not even. Yeah, May 29th. Oh, that's right. I'll be yeah. there. I'm, I'd say that. I'll be there in two months, shortly after it yeah. opens uh, yeah, at Disneyland. It's six weeks away. So I know. It's coming It's coming right up. That's awesome. I, I think I, I it's... They, oh, and they showed off some uh, uh, some merchandise. We actually that's the other thing that they showed on the actual panel that we hadn't seen before was um, actual physical, uh, rend- I, I, not rendered, but you know what I'm talking about. The actual physical merchandise that's for sale. We just had like concept art and a few pictures uh, mm-hmm. previously. So for the uh, for the little uh, tauntaun and oh, and then uh, they also announced that there'd be a number of legacy saga lightsabers available to purchase at Savvy and Sons. And yeah. one of them, and they showed us off on the stream afterwards, was the um, uh, Ahsoka's white lightsabers. And it's the first time Disney's ever produced huh. uh, the white light version of lightsabers. And I'm sure you buy the pair together for like $400 or something ridiculous, <laughs> if mm-hmm. I had to guess. So who knows? Who knows? That's probably it. Uh, Scott. Sir. Let's talk about the trailer. 
Like, okay. that's really, like, the, the the honest truth is we didn't really learn a lot about Galaxy's Edge. In fact, I was texting with my buddy Aaron Goins, and he was not even at the panel. He's like, eh, we already know everything. Uh, he yeah. had prior prior commitments. But um, I, I, I rather than, let's see if I can get it pulled up here. Rather than just actually diving right in, I want to just play and get your reaction to this audio right here. Specifically, Luke Skywalker's quote. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. And there it is, the Episode Nine teaser. It's the rise of Skywalker. Scott, we broke it down yesterday. Our first impressions had a little bit more time to, to sit on it. I've watched it a few more times. Give me your first reaction to hearing Luke Skywalker say, we've passed on all, all we know, a thousand generations live in you. Of course, referencing the, the Obi-Wan line from A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, this is, to me, the best trailer of the sequel trilogy, or the best teaser of the sequel trilogy. Dang. You know, there was always that one. Um, uh, that particular part of it uh, is intriguing. And I, I tend to think that there are some voice effects on that that will not that have not been added yet. Hmm. Like? Perhaps a bit of an echo or something like that. That's maybe so a little more indicative of the state Luke will be taking when he says all of this. You're saying we're hearing Force Ghost Luke. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, broadly speaking, why? Why is this the, the best teaser? What is it? What does it accomplish? Uh, it, I, there's a lot riding on this teaser based on the, the split in the fan community since episode well, yeah. eight. And, you know, and depending on who you ask, how big that split really is and how, how large the factions are and all of that, but they have to make everybody happy. Uh, and there are a lot of people who, who want old school star Wars to be old school star Wars. Uh, I got nervous. I, I'll be honest with you. I got nervous at the panel when Kathleen Kennedy said, that when we make these things, they've got to be a product of their era. And I thought, no, no, <laughs> no, that's exactly the opposite of what Star Wars things should be. They should be timeless. timeless. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back is not a product of its era. It's timeless. It's a product of now, always. It, it is the biggest, if I have any criticism of The Last Jedi, it is the biggest criticism of it is that it feels like it is part of 2017. Uh, it very much feels like a product of its era. Um, and, and that's, I guess... You know, one of the big beefs I have with it, but to do what they did in this trilogy, which was bring the old school fans around and still map out new, fresh, bold territory for Ray and her companions. Uh, I just think this was, this was the home run of trailers. And I've seen some people who've naysaid it on the, on the internet, but some of these guys make money naysaying things. So, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't put a lot of that stock in that. It, this, this was a thing I I've talked to a few disaffected fans who were unhappy after the last Jedi. Yeah. And several of them sent me notes who said this trailer won me back. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that's what they were trying to do? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they're aware of what's going on. They're aware of what's happened with fandom and the fan community. They've seen it tear itself apart. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think there are a lot of people when talking about the last Jedi's gross, who are a little bit delusional about the expectations of major media companies. Uh, there are a lot of, well, you know, made, you know, a billion dollars or whatever worldwide, whatever the, the final total was 1.3, I think. Uh, worldwide and they're how could they be unhappy they're not unhappy with that but they you know that second avengers movie did very similarly and they were very unhappy with it because it doesn't have to do with the fact that you invested this and thus your profits are this it has to do with your expectations and your projections yeah well investors Um, and and they projected last jedi would do better worldwide and part of it was a a steep fall off in america after its debut and part of it was that it just completely laid an egg in china um, yeah, but, but they were aware that there needed to be a course correction after that film or regardless of what anybody tries to tell you, what the, what the arguments are in fan wars and all this other stuff. The simple fact is, uh, financially last Jedi did not as big as it was. And as much as we'd love to be sitting on that pile of money, I'm sure I'm sure I take it <laughs> did not measure up to what they projected. They fell strangely enough. That movie fell $250 million short of projections. And that quarter, Disney's studios fell $250 million short of projections. So, uh, so you know. Huh? So, and I think that's a good perspective to have because when you're talking about disappointment, I, Disney executives, Kathleen Kennedy, Bob Iger, they're not upset about whatever percentage of fans are on Twitter upset about Luke Skywalker. No. But they are upset on the image of the brand, which I think is affected by that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it's a, it's bigger picture than I think some people think, if, yep. especially if you're in the camp of like Last Jedi sucked and uh, Disney knows it type thing. I, I, sometimes I think people put too much stock in how much companies are paying attention to something like social media. But the finances, like that is wh- that's that's the bread and butter right there. As far as that's yeah. that's what tells you, and and I think that that directly that and then the solo performance really was a wake up call for how yeah. they want to do Star Wars, and it's reflected. In this new, um, it's reflected well, in this new article um, that Hollywood Reporter just came out with. They just interviewed Kathleen Kennedy. I, I imagine at Celebration. It yeah, just sure. came out yesterday. I don't know if you've seen this, Scott. No. But uh, uh, according to uh, this, and I'll find the quote here. Uh, uh, yeah, quote: We we knew we were going to close this up, and we knew that even before we started the Force Awakens. Said Kennedy told the Hollywood Reporter on Friday at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we are looking at the next saga, and we are not just looking at another trilogy. We're really looking at the next 10 years or more, Kennedy said. This movie is the culmination of the Skywalker saga. It is by no means the culmination of Star Wars. I'm sitting down with Dan Weiss and David Biddyhoff and Ryan Johnson, and we're all sitting down to talk about where do we go next. We've all had conversations about what the possibilities might be, but now we're locking it down. Uh, the summit is on the calendar for next month, she says. And uh, I think you're seeing them. I don't know if you remember this or not. I'm going to, I'm going to get into rumor mongering there. A while back, there was rumor of a big conference call after mm-hmm. solo had failed with all the different heads of the, of these, you know, Pixar and Marvel and Kathy Kennedy, just kind of as a, uh, we've got to reorient star Wars type of talk. Yeah. And one of the things that I will remind you is, Kevin Feige always has five years of Marvel ready as far as the planning goes and the plotting goes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's probably a thing that has been expressed to Lucasfilm is that, look, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be, you know, because a lot of the solo failure was put on Star Wars fatigue, but there's not any Marvel fatigue. No. Mm -mm. So let's have an overall game plan so that we can prevent these failures in the future and, and kind of continue on regularly generating that cash flow, creating merchandising opportunities, creating desire for people to go to the parks and uh, let's have something mapped out where we know w where we're going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this trilogy did seem to look a little bit like it didn't have that until they brought J.J. back on board. Well, and again, here's a quote from J.J. in the same Hollywood Reporter article. Quote, mm -hmm. when Kathy called and asked if I'd be interested in coming aboard this movie... Uh, talking about the rise of Skywalker, I was surprised how emotional I felt about it. I didn't expect to feel the way I did, and the opportunity to finish the story we started was something I couldn't resist. The beauty of working with Chris Terrio and producing with Kathleen Kennedy is I think we found a way, I hope for, it's up to you to decide, to bring this story to a conclusion in a way that feels satisfying, surprising, amusing, and shocking, all the ways a story should make you feel. And mostly, it's an adventure story about this new generation of characters who have inherited all sorts of things from those who came before. Yeah. That was, in a way, how I felt uh, working on this movie. But let's also throw in what he and Chris Terrio did at the very beginning of this process. Which was rewrite it. Well, they sat down with... Oh, Lucas, right? Yes. Yeah. I forgot they about that. They sat down with George Lucas, and to me, that is key to all of this. Mm-hmm. You don't uh, think that's just like um, Star Wars. So it's not just like a head nod. You don't see that as just like a little uh, uh, more of a head nod or tribute to the creator, but like if, a real like, hey, we if, need real advice if here. They, if they had written it and then had a meeting with him, I'd say it's a head nod. Yeah. But when they went to him before they wrote it and said, give us your input on this. And I'll tell you the other interesting thing. If you watch the interviews with J.J., when the Lucas thing comes up is always right around the emperor's return. Yeah. And I don't know if that means that that is something that they really went with him about. And that's why that brings that up. But it seems like that is, it is always if they, well, the emperor's return. Yes. Well, we sat down with George Lucas. Mm -hmm. And so no, I, I, I feel like they wanted to put the rudder back on a little bit more. And I think that's why Lucas is a little more involved in this. And how do you put the rudder back in your in Scott Rifen's opinion? How do you, <laughs> um, how do you put the rudder back on? I think I think you have to acknowledge the the original films, all six of the original films, because you got prequel trilogy fans out there now. Yeah, you know who who Phantom Menace is twenty years old now. Uh, I, I think what threw a lot of people off was this notion of just kind of I, I know what they wanted to do in Last Jedi, which was say, you know, this, Star Wars is not just about the Skywalkers. You know, the Skywalkers may fuel some things, but it's not all about the Skywalkers. But I think they did it in a very ham handed way, in a, in a way that I think was insulting to a lot of people who were around before. And I think you have to acknowledge that you have to pay it its respect. And then you can find ways to move on from there instead of just casting it aside. I think you have to give it a fitting send-off, and I think that's what they're trying to do here. Yes, and we haven't talked about the direct evidence of this, but there's plenty of evidence to support your hypothesis. And yeah. that by basically like, here is 
the Death Star. Here is yeah. Kylo Ren's mask back. Here is yes. the Emperor back. Here is the lightsaber rebuilt. And it's almost yep. like let the past, uh, you know. Let the past be undead. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, and so, and we briefly mentioned it. Uh, one last thing before we go, then. I have to ask you. So it's been rumored and rumored. I never took this these rumors seriously at all. But the Emperor's cackling laugh. Is this some sort of, is he the villain of this final film in any meaningful way? Or do you think this is some sort of like ghost vision, single scene, and that the, the laugh is just a marketing tool? Or do you think he's a legitimate foil for the heroes in this story? I think maybe the answer lies in a combination of both of those possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he may be a driving force in this, in this film, but he may be doing it from beyond the grave. Uh, as I mean, we, we see force ghosts all the time. We don't see evil force ghosts, but it, I mean, if there's balance to the force, then there should be. Yeah. So I don't know why we, we couldn't see an emperor who has figured out how to manifest himself after death. And, and I also think it was interesting. I saw some interesting speculation on the Twitters uh, and Kyle Newman was kind of driving it and they were talking about, you know, what is this planet where we're seeing all this? Is it Tatooine? Is it Jakku? Is it, uh, is it Jetta? Uh, and, and my money kind of goes with goes to Jakku because there because uh, it's JJ Abrams. <laughs> yeah, yes, because it's JJ Abrams and because you know he's talked a lot about some of the things that they put in place in the first film that were kind of ignored in the second film. And one of those is that there's something happened on Jakku a long time ago that the emperor thought would come into play in the future. The mm. emperor had an interest in Jakku according to the backstory they put together in Force Awakens. And it's on Wikipedia. You can look that up uh, under the entry on Jakku. Which which we saw in the Battlefront game, I know. Yeah. Um, it, and it's been in some other fiction, too. Yeah. And then it just kind of got dropped in the last two years. Uh, and I think they're picking that back up. Mm. Yeah? That's my that's my guess. Well, what what planet do you think the de- de- Death Star is then in this in the last shot? I'm, I'm, I'm That's go- a great question because I mean you think it's either got to be Yavin or a moon thereof or or the sanctuary moon of Endor, right? Which and and it goes right back. It's like protruding from a sea, essentially yeah. uh, a stormy sea that it goes right back to that concept art from uh, from the Force Awakens of an underwater throne room that you know. Yep. They're diving to recover something. So, again, just delving right back into those concepts that JJ had for, um, had, and, had and for some Force of which that Lucas had yeah. again for Episode Seven. So, uh, yeah, I think I think he's he's come back to say, you know, there was a lot of pieces put on this board that some of them were followed up, a lot of them were just kind of ignored. I'm going to go back and put these pieces back on the on the chessboard here. Yeah, which you know is is unsurprising, and I think um, he, he had nothing bad to say about Ryan Johnson at all, but nothing really good to say about Ryan Johnson. Oh, well, <laughs> here's the interesting thing, and I took this as a little bit of a backhanded compliment, and maybe I'm just being hypersensitive about. I think this. you're going to talk about the same moment I did if if you've seen that. He said Ryan Johnson did a lot of great things, but the best thing he did uh-huh. was hire Kelly Marie Tran. Mm. And I think well, I, and, and look. I think Kelly Marie Tran is delightful. Every time mm-hmm. she goes to a her enthusiasm is infectious. Mm-hmm. I think I think she's great. Yeah. But when you told an entire chapter of the Star Wars saga and the best thing you did was hire an actress playing a minor part, yeah, that's, that's to me that sounds a little backhanded. Maybe could be. <laughs> 
Hmm. I've I've got the well, I've got the trailer looping here. Uh, what what was the moment that you were talking about? Same one. Yeah. That's okay. Exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. That's why. Like I was watching the panel uh, while it happened live, um, and and saw that, and I was like, hmm. And then I, I saw like uh, I, who was it on Twitter? I saw somebody's like, yeah, that's one for the JJ hates Ryan crowd. Which I don't know that he that they they don't necessarily have to hate each other to have yeah. disagreements on where they think Star Wars should go. Yeah. Um, I hope not. Yeah. Well, and and can I? I, I can wish I, none of us did. Observation: I I don't think. And and here's my my honest thought of sort of how. It's interesting how the the creatives behind Star Wars or any movie creative now, lives such a public image that they're almost cast themselves unwillingly by the fan community. And hear yes. me out on this, Scott. But like Ryan Johnson has been sort of memeified by his constant quotes of like, hey, well, we want to do something different, surprising, go the exact opposite direction of what you expected. And he said that over and over and over again. But if you notice, all of those quotes come from all the press tours. Mm-hmm. And you notice this on press tours, like on the Galaxy's Edge panel today. All We heard authentic, authentic. There's like these, these catchphrases that are pushed as the narrative they want people to think of when they think of the movie. And sure. so that's they wanted that narrative. I don't know that that necessarily came. It's almost absurd the amount of times Ryan Johnson said that, but that's because it's in all the behind the scenes and all the marketing material and all the interviews. Mm-hmm. I, that was the message to push. I don't think Ryan Johnson himself is the uh, like. It's 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 an oversimplification to just assume that of Ryan Johnson as a storyteller, and I think it no. misses the point of where the, his nuanced failures. Because I think the fa- the failures of the Last Jedi are nuanced it's not a blanket awful movie or a blanket no great movie. no there's some stuff that i love about it and you know i always talk about those bombers i i know the bombers got criticized but i think the criticism of the bombers was stupid too <laughs> yeah um, no great design like a, an incredible opening scene like uh, right up yeah. there with revenge of the sith i would say for like it's pacing and uh like yeah. it's like a I, mini movie by itself i was uh I, I talked about this before maybe i don't know if i've done it on star wars report or not but several years ago i got a chance to go up in a b-17 yeah, which is just which oh, is just amazing. Dude. An actual World War II B seventeen, and uh, when I saw those bombers in Last Jedi, it was like, holy crap, this is a B seventeen. Yep, yeah. As they a- they went in a B set. This is a space B seventeen, mm-hmm. and it looked amazing. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing to remember is to as as fans who like consume as listen as as J J Abrams and the as the real press tour begins for uh, for rise of skywalker we're gonna they're, they're going to be those sort of simplistic narratives that are pushed in the marketing and and whether it's like authentic for galaxy's edge or if they say they i could see them say like recapturing whether you know rise it really just captures the spirit of star yeah. you know i could see like them kind of trying to to roll just just well, you have cut, talking points yeah talking cut through the talking points as a fan and appreciate yep. the story as a whole and don't take interest in this sort of like figuring out which side you're on right no, for, well, for uh for let's let's also say this of jj jj was brought in to do a job i think he enjoyed doing the job i think i think there were some other issues i i was talking to a buddy of mine who's a writer out in hollywood uh uh and apparently <laughs> apparently there was some creative heat on the force awakens that uh uh, we didn't get to hear about. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, there's, but uh, there's no behind the scenes book for it. So no, yeah. Well, there's there was apparently almost legal action between JJ and Lucasfilm, from what I was told. But uh, you know, once he got done with that job, he walked away from that job, and he didn't sit there and go, 
boy, I sure hope Ryan Johnson turns around and does everything I wanted him to do. Yeah. I mean, that's just not, those guys don't think that way. They're on to the next project and they're doing their thing and they go, oh, Ryan Johnson did that? Huh, okay. Not my choice I would have made, but oh well. They don't sit there and go, I invested all my time and effort and he threw it away. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's not, it's not how these guys think. It's not how they operate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Again, like there's more to it. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, I won't, uh, I won't, uh, uh, carry on any longer. I know we're, we're about out of time. I've been, um, little shout out. I do, I, I do find myself now that I'm not at a celebration, really enjoying the live stream as cheesy as it is sometimes just to kind of get a sense of everything that's happening on the floor. So yep. they're doing sort of like Ahmed Best is on there right now as, as we're watching. Uh, yeah, I so love the live stream. It's a, I'm it's a, a nice, fan. it's a nice thing. I've been, I've been kind of tuning in each day and, uh, it's just a nice, a uh, nice way to be a part of celebration, even though I'm not there and, uh, I'll definitely be at the next one. So, uh well you know barring you know life circumstances but yes you say you uh, say that and you yeah. know exactly exactly but uh but to everybody uh, tuning in on the live stream thanks so much for everybody on the podcast thank you so much for listening and hey uh, i want to encourage you to uh check out our patreon patreon.com slash star wars report we're doing as well as these daily podcasts covering uh star wars celebration we're releasing daily episodes of bonus content there at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. So you can hear me and Mark get our first, uh, give our first thoughts on the title on yesterday's Rogue Transmissions and, uh, of course, uh, more coming very soon. So support the show. If you enjoy it, of course, leave us ratings uh, or review on iTunes. We do appreciate that. And follow us on social media, super easy, at Star Wars Report or just Star Wars Report on Facebook. That's where you can find us. Uh, Scott can be found at Rifen, R-Y-F-U-N, and I can be found at the Riley Guy on Twitter. And there you go. It's that easy. Scott, thanks for joining us. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Absolutely, sir. Until next time, may the force be with you. And ending the live stream. And we are. Are we clear? Offline. All right. Let me, let me then. This is not for road transmissions either.